Hi, Dale. Hello. How are you? All right. Nervous, but that's to be expected. Nervous. You shouldn't be nervous. No, everybody gets a bit nervous, but it's it's just a, you know, just I know, a chat. I know, I know. It's really nice to have you on. I've been looking forward to having a chat about your book and things. Nice to be on. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your let's talk about your book because that's something that you've recently published and it's been on Amazon and you even got to uh, I think it was twenty six in the LGBT poetry section. Yeah, for like an hour and then it dipped down on one hundred and twenty eight. Yeah, Apparently, those figures fluctuate a lot. Yeah, they do fluctuate incredibly. Do you, do you remember the? Um, the lady who I interviewed, Amber Washington, she had a book and that was fluctuating on Amazon like that too. Mm. It was going way up and way down. And this is in the space of an hour. It changes, you know. So, I mean, how, how did you decide to write a book? And, you know, can you just kind of tell us the process that you went through? Um, I've kind of had author aspirations all my life. Words are just something I kind of get to grips with almost better than people sometimes. Right. And, but, and since I've been in lockdown and my, I've always had kind of an insomnia, but with the lockdown and everything else, it kind of escalated to where I really have trouble getting to sleep. And when I have that trouble, my brain races with words and I've got to put them down. And I published that, I wrote a few poems that sort of in the late night process, published them to Facebook, people liked them. And from there, the idea to collate them into a poetry anthology just kind of developed. Yeah. So you, you kind of put it all together. And then how did you how did you approach anybody to get it published? I mean, I have no idea how writers do this. Um, I actually went a self-publishing avenue. Amazon has this Kindle Direct Publishing program. Okay. So I just had to type the poems up and check the manuscript in a Kindle Create program and then export that manuscript over to Amazon where they make a Kindle edition and a paperback edition. Okay, so they don't charge you for that? It's all free? Um, They they do in that they take a certain percentage of the royalties, but you can control that percentage to a degree. And then it, so once you, once it's all, once you've gone through that kind of self-publishing process, it gets put, just put straight into Amazon eBooks and paperbacks. Yeah. So you're, you're well, it does take it. a couple of days, so not straight, straight, but straight enough. But who, who, who kind of takes care of the printing of the book? Amazon, as far as I know. Oh, so they, they actually pay for that themselves. Yeah. Like, again, taking a couple oh. of royalties to pay printing costs yeah. and stuff. And do they set the price of the book as well? No, they recommend a minimum, but the author is in control of how much the book overall costs to the consumer. All right. So, I mean, it's it's really interesting that authors who, you know, you, you're obviously not a famous author. This is your first book. But it's amazing how you can just, you know, come up with an idea and do that. And then it's straight on Amazon getting sold. It's quite fascinating how that's done. Have you yeah. have you had many sales? Um, let's just say that my royalties are nothing to be sneezed at. All right, so that sounds like you've had a few. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, I've bought it myself. I bought it. We were on a meet. We were on a meeting with one of Petra's meetings. I think it was, and you mentioned it. I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. So I just went on and bought it straight away. I've not read it yet. I'm sorry, but that's all right. I'm one of those people who buys books. I put them in a pile, and then eventually I get to them. 
Oh, yeah, I know that. I live with one of those. <laughs> Mum's exactly the same. So I've got about five books I'm trying to get through. Yours is yours is about fourth on the, in the list at the moment. Mum's got about 50. Really? She's an avid book collector and lever and weed when she gets round to it. So she's obviously got yours too? Yes. Has she read it? Yeah, she prioritised that one. Oh, good. That's good. <laughs> and she was kind of beta reader for all of the poems I was going to put in the book. She got first look oh, right. at a lot of them. Oh, that's cool. So we've not even mentioned the name of your book. Your name is called From Least to Least. Some transitional poetry subtitle. So how did you come up with that name, From Least to Least? Does it have some kind of meaning? The poems kind of vary from pessimistic to optimistic and then down again. So I suppose it's from least hopeful to most hopeful to least hopeful. It's just okay, that the so most like is a... cut out from the title for ease of saying it. So it's a bit like a fairground ride where you kind of... Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And is that, is, that re is that really how you feel about it? Is that kind um, of the way you, the way you, you know, you thought about it when you were doing it? Um, I actually kind of came up with that last. So oh, I really? sort of uh, came up with a title last and then arranged the poems accordingly to kind of fit into that sway and ebb and flow. Right. And, and the, the paperback version of your book is, it's quite big, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've seen pictures of it, I think, mm -hmm. on Twitter it was or Facebook. And the book is quite, it's quite a large book and it's got an amazing red cover. I think you're giving it too much credit. It didn't even have enough pages to have yeah, yeah, writing on the there. spine. Well, I mean, how, how many pages are there? Um, well, mine's about 39. I think you need at least 100 for spine. Okay, so I mean, is, how many how many poems do you have in there? 15. 15, okay. And then to all our dear listeners, it's available on Amazon. Please go and buy it. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's great. Something else I wanted to talk to you about was being LGBT and religious being religious now we've we've both of us have, we've been on some um you know online discussions with with petra's tgif um friday meeting and th this topic has come up one, one or two times and i think I, I maybe had brought it up originally and it was quite a few months ago now but i was i was kind of asking the question how how do people who are you know, LGBT or specifically trans or non-binary, how do they go to a church where, you know, the church is not very accepting of LGBT people? I mean, I know where I live, there's there's not many around here that are accepting. You know, I know there's some that are very unaccepting. And, and, and you know, I'm just wondering what your thoughts on that. I know you're probably not too religious and I'm not really too religious either, but... Um, just wonder what you thought about that. You're correct. I am atheistic, agnostic, straddling that line. Right. But at the same time, I am the child of someone who is religious. And I think mum got very, very lucky with the church that she is part of. Right. Fun, funny story, I mean, actually. Um, she, so sometimes the church uh, in their sermons, their Zoom sermons, have little birthday sing-alongs at the end for those with birthdays that week. And she, but I was originally down under my dead name, and mum actually approached the 
Vicar to get that changed. And not only did the name get changed to the name I have now, which is Dale, but the Vicar also included a little explanation for the churchgoers as to why the name change and what that sort of a cliff's notes of what non-binary means. Oh, that's amazing. It is. I mean, and I don't think most I, people I, do but that. I am a, I am aware that I am lucky in that regard and that that not every church is going to be that way. But at the yeah. same time, if you do find a church and you do believe that you are LGBT, that so, sort of, you don't have to be afraid, I guess is what I'm saying, of of trying. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I think... Good, because I, think I for, didn't. <laughs> I think for me, you know, it's like, there's probably going to be occasions in the future where I need to go to church, you know, because people get married in churches, people christen their kids in churches. And, you know, there's lots of kind of social events happen in churches, even if you're religious or not, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure we've all been to weddings in churches and, you know, half of us are not religious. So I'm just, you know, if... And sometimes I'm, you even go to like visit churches in other areas when you're out yeah, on holiday. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, how, how do you know whether it's going to be accepting or not? I mean, you know, it, it, as a trans person, as a trans woman, you know, it's, sometimes it's quite obvious that you're trans just by how you look. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not. But there's always that fear. You know, if I go in this church, you know, is my skin going to burst into flames? Is the vicar going to come and throw water at me and then throw me in the holy pool? You know, it's like... And even uh, if that's not oh, obvious from the way the be. congregation is treating you, sometimes the fear can still come from within strongly mm. enough to put you off. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that whenever I go into a church, I feel as though the building itself is judging me for being a non-believer and being there as me. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. It's kind of that fear of what's going to happen and what do they all think of you? And yeah, so I'm, I'm you know, I, as I said, I'm not really religious, but I would like to think that I can go to a church and just be accepted and just like everybody else, you know, that's, so that's why I kind of brought up the topic in the first place. Yeah. And then I think on some of the later meetings, it got a bit controversial because there was a couple of people kind of arguing about whether they believe in God or not. And we, you know, tried to take of, the conversation away from that. I think it was more that. they were insinuating that other people shouldn't believe either. Yeah. And, and my stance on that is that whether you believe or don't believe, yeah, both, both sides thing. should kind of not stick to their own side, but sort of a, a live and let live kind of situation don't impose your beliefs or your lack of beliefs yes, on others absolutely fully agree yeah completely agree with that so i mean it's just kind of acceptance of other people's positions isn't it i mean it's just yeah. like everything else in life i guess so let, let, let's let's move on to your kind of transition story you're you're non-binary i am so could you just explain what that means to you and uh, how you kind of define that? Yeah, I know. Big question. Yes. Uh, I mean, I've never kind of felt right in my skin, but it wasn't, it wasn't until I hit my late teens that I had words to explain what that feeling different meant. Compounding matters, of course, is that I am autistic, so I am already very aware of how different I am from my peers, was from my peers back in high school, where this would be the biggest issue. Yeah. 
And so I didn't know what was normal for me to be feeling in my kind of admittedly partly self-isolated position and what was something that needed further investigation. But over time, I guess I kind of realized that while there are some isolatory moments still there, while there are definitely some differences there, some of them are things that can be controlled in the way that I present myself in the way that I authenticate myself, I suppose. And, but, and through being detached from the binary, so to speak. Yeah, so did it, I mean, did it take you a long time to figure it out? Um, had, you, had you kind of switched between how you're thinking about it or, or is it very clear for you? It was a little bit of both. I sort of, my first step into that was calling myself Demigirl for a while, which is sort of a halfway house between a yeah. cis girl and a non-binary person, sort of 75-25% split, I mm. think. But then I realized that the 75% split was more on the non-binary side than the girl side. And yeah. And then over time, it just kind of went to 100% neither. Right. And as a non-binary person, do you, do you experience gender fluidity? Or is that not really... It's, you... not that I, it's not that I experience gender fluidity. It's more that I experience a great disconnection from the concept right I, I kind of feel like gender as a thing is something that i that can't really doesn't really penetrate so it's, it's something you don't i feel really kind of dissociated from the whole idea yeah so it's kind of you just kind of disassociated from gender in, in, a, in a term in its own right really yeah so sort of emotionally and spiritually i suppose is yeah. the best word i could think of and you've, I mean, you've recently changed your name. I have. No, you've not. That's not an official deed poll change, is it, as yet? No, it, it's more a law of common usage thing. If yeah, everyone else around me is using it, then it will become easier to officially change it. Yeah, so you're just kind of, you're trying it out, wearing it, yeah. and see, seeing how it works on social media and with friends and family and things. Mm. So you, I hope it I does mean, work. Facebook doesn't allow short amounts of time between name changes so if i come across a new name a month or so i'll still have to be dale for five months <laughs> so have you settled I, I on just, dale? i just i'm being facetious no but have you have you settled on dale because i know i know you did have a there was a period where you were thinking about what name to use yes i do believe dale is what suits me best right now and honestly i feel like even if i were sis i would have changed my name eventually because the old surname I have is rare and complex, shall we say? Corey? No, that was my mum's maiden name. Okay. The, sur the surname that I was born with is... It, it's often misspelled on forms, let's put it that way. Okay, so you've actually changed your first and last names? Yes. Oh, right. I mean, that's, that's interesting because a lot of people just do the first name. It's um, a it's a clean break, I suppose, a yeah, separation yeah. of the ma masquerade that was and the me that is. And you also have a middle name, don't you, Rune? Yeah. Is that is there a story behind um, the names you chose? Dale, I just really like the name Dale. It is a nice name. I like it. Yes, and it does fit Rune, 
And Ruin is sort of... For the past few months, I've been playing D&D on weekends in my spare time. And the first character generated for my first campaign was a non-binary character named Alirune. Because a lot of elves' names in D&D lore end yeah. in rune. Uh-huh. And so I kind of... that I found myself attached to that as a idea to, like, emphasize the non-binariness within my name. But if I made yeah. that my first name, then people would think I would take in the Mickey, almost. So I compromised by making that my middle name. No, but I mean, it's your name. You can pick any name you like. I mean, it's, your, it's up to you. Yeah, but I do want people to take me seriously, too. I mean, don't... Dale Rune Corey, that's a serious name. I, I like it. It's good. Yeah. It's even written on your book. Yes. So D&D, that's Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, yes. Right. Yeah, okay. So I do know something about gaming. <laughs> so I how, never said that you didn't. No, but are you, it's a funny story because, you know, it's only since transition. Sorry, not transition. What am I saying? It's only since um, lockdown that I've become a gamer. Before lockdown, you wouldn't have seen me anywhere near a game. I was just like, no, I don't want to play those games. I don't want an Xbox or anything like that. And then halfway through lockdown, I'm suddenly deciding, oh, I should buy, a, I should get myself an Xbox because this looks like fun. And, you know, you've got loads of time on your hands. So Jess and knew, knew me kind of told me which which system to get and which games to get. And now I'm a I'm an avid gamer now. <laughs> so that was an unexpected event, turn of events for me. But I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. How? What's that game like? It's. Is that on Xbox? I don't even know if it's. No, it's a tabletop game campaign. Oh, it's not even a. Or as tabletop as it can be over Zoom, which is where it is these okay, days. Okay, so it's not even electronic. It's. it's a no, game. it's sort of a pen and paper die rolling, sort of role playing mm. battle simulator almost. Shows you what I know. Hmm. Fair enough. So maybe I should maybe I should have a go with that one too. Is this, is this something you just you can just buy from the shops? Um, there are guidebooks that you can buy, but a lot of the time it's down to finding a group of people who want to play and at least one person who knows how to play. Right, so you can play this over like a Zoom call? Yes. It's, it's right. pretty hard to play D&D by yourself because you sort of already know how it's going to end. So I'm, I'm, my, my mind's working overtime now. I'm thinking we should we should set up a, a, a one of Petra's uh, meetings as a D and D session. See how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could teach us all. The problem you're probably the only one who knows how to do it. <laughs> At least within that strata. Yeah. When it, you know when it when it comes to support for being non-binary, I know you you don't. You don't currently work, um, but how how has things been at home with your mum? Mum's been a brick throughout this whole thing. She was one of the first I came out to, besides my ex girlfriend, and but that's a whole other thing. It actually came out after we went to see this perform that this performance poetry artist called Adalia Day. We'd met her at Pride the year before, and she was putting on a show called Too Pretty to Punch at one of the theatres around here. And at some point she asked the audience how many of them were men, how many of them were women, to to put their hands up and such, and I kept my hand down both times. And that that was sort of almost accidental, but almost deliberate at the same time, because I figured if 
that this is the most subtle way to tell her. And th then we ended up having that conversation in the car and she's kind of been with me on the journey of figuring myself out and making myself more authentic ever since. So she kind of noticed that you didn't put your hand up and then asked yeah. you, why yeah. didn't you put your hand up? Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's been there from the start and she's she's yeah. actually kind of encouraged you to figure out who you are. I mean, I mean, that's that's great. I mean, a lot of people don't get family support at all. Yeah, I mean, the, the like I said, I'm lucky. Are, yeah, really. I'm, my, my family's been great too. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a real privilege when your family are yeah. as supportive as that. Yeah. Same with my brother, surprisingly enough. He's older than me, but more profoundly autistic. He managed to get his head around my name changing to Dale, but we thought they, them, would be a stretch too far because he has a very black and white mindset. For years, he would echo laylickly say, the opposite of boy is girl. We figured introducing a third would be a shock to his system, but he has adapted surprisingly well. He's sort of very on top of remembering they, them, yeah, uh, which is I'm surprising to me but and sort of heartwarming. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's that's great. So, I mean, my, you know, my family, I've found it very interesting how the, like the, very, the very youngest members of the family, you know, we're talking four, five, six kind of years old. They are so kind of, they just take it in the stride. They don't even, they don't even think about it. Mm. You know, it's like one day you're this name, the next day, you look different than you that name, and then they just they don't even blink. You know, it's like children only take umbrage with that kind of thing if their parents train them to do yeah, so. Yeah, I think it's I think it is. Down they're, to... they're little sponges. They soak up intolerance from the intolerant almost. Yeah, but I mean, just total support from right from the off is what I've experienced, without even a without even a, a thought. You know, it's like innocent minds of children. They just accept you for who you are. Mm. It's, um, it's quite amazing. And I suppose that's what's making my brother, because in, in many ways he does have a child's outlook <clears> on the world. So I suppose that's working in my favour in this instance. Yeah, probably is. Probably is. That sounded very narcissistic. I didn't mean it to oh, sound no, that didn't. way. I mean, it's. I, I understand what you mean. So you mentioned before that you're autistic. Yes. So how does that play into being non-binary non as well does it, does it kind of affect things for you it sort of does but at the same time it doesn't it's it's hard to tell sometimes what of what's making me anxious and what of what's making me feel authentic it's hard to tell which of that is being openly non-binary and which of that is being autistic Everything is so kind of enmeshed together that it could be hard to separate the cause and the effect. So do you think are there are a lot of similarities between the two? That's not necessarily what I'm saying. Okay. Although, cool. although there is a proven correlation that, that, that people in the autistic community are more likely to be in the LGBTQ community than those outside of that spectrum. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Which is which is something I've seen through anecdote as well. But but in terms of, I suppose in some senses, autism and sexuality slash gender are 
parallel in that both require understanding of the people around you and sort of accommodation doesn't seem like the right word but acceptance even if not in t complete understanding but they yeah. are very different and in, and also <clears throat> they're similar in the facts that they're not something anybody can control they're just sort of there in the system and if you remove them then you don't get a complete person left behind yeah yeah i know what you mean i mean how 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 have you you know when you when you tell people i mean i'm not sure how many people you've really come out to at this point but what about being non-binary or being autistic well about being non-binary really i mean when you when or if you told people um do you, do you find that a lot of the time you have to deal with their reaction to it and that's really their problem and it's not your problem because you you know who you are and when you tell somebody you're kind of dealing with their reaction and how they feel about it for quite a while have you have you experienced that much not much but i have experienced it that that but that is also somewhat reliant on the social circles that i'm in but those are the people who have but obviously there's my mum again and my brother, yeah. but, yeah. but there are also people I'm aware who are older and from eras gone by who are trying to get it, but I don't think they'll ever fully understand the nuance because of their age and that's fine. So, I mean, are you, are you fully out to family and all family and friends? I'm fully out to all family and friends. Yes. Yeah. So you've had a, you must have had a, a good a good response reaction to it. There's only been one holdout. I'm not going to name names no, or relations, name but but there is there is one person who is currently. I'm not sure if their reception of me is great right now. It sort of took a day for them to respond to my outcoming and. Their initial response was basically that they don't think this action will bring me the happiness and contentment that I seek. And right. it's like, the whole reason I'm telling you about this is that it is going to bring me the happiness yeah, and contentment I seek. what it's all about. So, I mean, in that case, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of them trying to understand it and deal with it and process it. Yes. And, and mum's given me a lot of, what, a lot of, she's tried to calm me down about it and tell me to give, give them time and... But at the same time, yeah. it can be aggravating to wait for acceptance because I shouldn't Indeed. have to. Yeah, I and understand. Like I, and like I said, I know I'm get, this is all small potatoes right now because a lot of the people in my social circles have been fully on board with this and fully have my back. And for me to be hung up on one holdout, it feels petty in some ways. But at the same time, it's a very important holdout to me because I, I, I don't know i'm not explaining myself very well but it's, I'm sorry. Not, it's not really about you if someone's holding out it's not it's not about you it's about them i think that's what i'm saying yeah, you know, it, I know it's I'm not, sorry. You, you've kind of probably told them and explained it best you mm -hmm. can and, and they're kind of struggling with yeah. understanding it i mean i've i've had a couple of people in my kind of circle of friends who didn't didn't accept it and mm -hmm. are no longer friends Unfortunately, but um, you know, I don't. I don't consider that to be my particular fault or problem. Mm -hmm. It's more to do with how they have dealt with 
you know, the whole topic of, you know, transgender and yeah. LGBT issues. I, I guess it's just something that they're not okay with in their in their mind. Mm. You know, I, I kind of hope that they one day they'll turn around and rethink. Yeah. And I'm, hope, and I'm hoping the same of this holdout. I'm hoping that with time they'll come around. But yeah, exactly. at the moment, there's just this kind of waiting question mark over everything. And that's yeah, not I very mean, reassuring, if you see what no, I mean. No, it's not. It's not reassuring. And it's a bit annoying because you've kind of you've come out and told them and you expect to be supportive because if it was the other way around, you would be supportive, you know. I'm not even expecting woo, yay, wonderful. It's like on a scale no, of one yeah. to ten, I was hoping for a five and dreading a one. And I kind of got a two. Yeah. If you see where I'm coming from? I know what you mean, yeah. But, well, I mean, maybe, you know, give it time, like your mum says, I guess, give it some time. I will, I will. Maybe, it will. maybe things will improve. Have you have you discussed any of this with your GP? I mean, have you had a need to do that? I've discussed aspects of my gender with my GP. I got a birth control implant on their recommendation, for instance, right. in order to sort out some of the dysphoria-inducing things that can happen from month yeah. to month. Yeah. But if you were to, if you were to, you know, you wanted to progress things and you were, you know, thinking of transition at some point, hmm. um, I mean, have you, have you kind of thought about getting a referral to a GIC? Is that something that you need to do? Or that's um, on your kind it's of... On, it's on my bucket list. Bucket list, yeah. Obviously, it's not feasible now because we are still trapped inside our homes for the foreseeable well, future. Well, we are indeed, yes. But what, once we are able to set that ball rolling, I think I would like to make some progress on that front. Yeah, so, I mean, you would, you know, you know, you, you, you probably know the process. You go see GP and your GP gives you a referral. Yeah. And then you sit around and wait for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's... I think it depends where you where you're up to. We all have we all transition at our own different speeds and want different things. Yeah. So we all have our own end goals yeah. and our own no, ways to get there. Yeah, there's no right way. There's no wrong way of doing it. I mean, it's just you know, it's each to their own, I guess. Yeah. Figure it out for yourself and uh, know that there's lots of support out there for whatever you're going through. You know. Mm. I've found that a lot of friends I've met on Twitter, Facebook, and in real life too, you know, are super supportive, especially in the LGBT realm. Space. Space, yeah. yeah. And work too, especially, you know, we have ERGs at work, employee resource groups, which are for LGBT employees. And those are really, you know, super supportive. They help you through any issues you may have at work and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's... It's yeah, it can be really good. We should talk about your cat. Yes, we should. Your cat is called Envy. Yes, that was actually <laughs> Mum's idea. She she sort of was joking around about calling the cat Envy, and then she realised that was actually a really good name for a cat. It's a great name for a cat. Yeah. It's really the really funny thing about your cat is that on one of the on one of the very early meetings that we had with Petra on TGIF. I was, I, I think it was maybe the first time I was on there, and you're on there on one camera, and your mum's on there on another camera, and then the cat, I think, appeared on your mum's screen, and then 
two seconds later, it's on yours. <laughs> and then I'm, my brain starts thinking, uh, just a minute, Dale and her mum are in the same house. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I'm a basement dweller at 29. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so, yeah, the cat's kind of trying to get in on the act, I think. Yeah. Um, she's... She's... It's, she likes attention, especially when it comes to people who love her and feed her, mostly feed her. <laughs> so who who is it that feeds her? Is that you or your mum? It's both. We have this little nightly routine where we have to give her pieces of chicken to get her up the stairs. <laughs> yes, yeah, bribe the cat. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a couple of cats. They were, they were very much like that as well. They're no longer with us, but um, yeah. I need to. Out of interest, did your cats ever carry balls around in their mouth? They did. They, yeah. I mean, I've I've had lots of cats throughout my life. I mean, when I when I first left home, when I had my own place, I had two cats, and one of them was a really tiny little kind of the runt of the litter, and the other one was quite big. They were brother and sister, so the the little one was a girl, and she had this trick where I lived on a. It was, a, it was a row of terrace houses. And she had this trick of when she wanted to come in, she'd jump up on the door and sit on the door handle and peer through the window. <laughs> so it was, you know, people who came round to see me, you know, they'd see the cat, like, looking at them through the window on the door. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. She couldn't actually open the door, but she would kind of, she would sit on the handle look through the window is one of those kind of semicircular panes of glass window things she peered through that and then there was one of those old-fashioned door knockers and i swear from time to time she would knock on the door using the knocker sounds so sweet then you'd open the door and she'd just jump in off the door i mean yeah mm. cats are cats are amazing things yeah yeah Envy is rather disconcertingly cats. good at opening doors from the bottom She'll, like, nudge them open with her face. Just push them open, yeah. Yeah. She's she's a bit like a raptor <laughs> from Jurassic Park. Remember that? Yeah. So I've I've had two, two other cats. I used to live in the States. And when I came back to the UK, I brought these two back with me. But they had to go through quarantine for six months, which was a real kind of pain. And it's very expensive. Yeah. And then... Yeah, they they were kind of a bit subdued after they came out of um, quarantine because, you know, they're kind of locked in a cage for six months. Although they do get to walk around a, an enclosure. So then, you know, bringing them into the house, it, it was like getting to know them again. It was um, it's a bit odd, but they were, they were, didn't take them long to get back up to their old, their old, old tricks again, you know. Yeah. I mean, they weren't, even, they weren't even allowed to be together very much. I think they had adjoining cages in, in quarantine but yeah i miss those two crazy little cats I, I, I think i need to get another one yeah cats really are they, they, they a, really can be guiding lights and yeah they make a house a home don't they i think yeah <coughs> so yeah it's on my list my list of things to do You, you, you're not married, are you? You don't have any kids or anything? No, no. No. And you've just had a birthday, haven't you? Yes, I have. I'm a leap year baby. Are you really? Yeah. 
So how old are you in leap years? I recently turned seven and a quarter. <laughs> I know, a quick calculation, that means you are 29-ish? Yeah. I'm pretty much in both respects the youngest NB that TGIF has. Sorry, you said I got near the youngest. In in both respects, I am the youngest NB that TGIF has in its roster yes. at the moment. Yes, you are. Absolutely, you are. Yeah. If only because I'm the one of the few NBs in TGIF's roster at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it's a great it's a great little group. I mean, I yeah. think you and I we we met on TGIF, which is Petra's uh, weekly Friday group, mm -hmm. and we're also both members of Tea and Coffee. Yes. She's run by Sam and Jason. Yep. Uh, really Coffee lovely Network. people. Right. Yeah. And it's a great, it's a great group. That one meets on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, there's, all, there's been all kinds of interesting spin-offs from that group. Um, you know, the members of Tea and Coffee have, yeah. you know, quite a few of them have gone off and kind of done interesting things and then it's all shared with them amongst the group. I mean, yeah. You know, these, these podcasts are kind of one of those things. And Numi's mm -hmm. doing her Friday night uh, gaming streaming thing. Yeah. You know, there's been all kinds of things. It's it's really good. And have you been involved in any others? Um, I actually found tea and coffee through Gender Explore, which is a Ipswich-based gender group that does... Right. It does Zoom meetings on the first Wednesday of every month at 8.15. And that is currently run by Petra as well. So I actually, it was actually one of the few trans support group meetings that I was able to attend in person before this whole situation happened. Oh, you were actually going in person. It wasn't online. So this it, was pre, it wasn't online, but it is now. Pre-COVID. Yeah. So is that something that Petra started, that one? Um, no, it was originally run by someone called Tiffany Knight. But okay. I think Tiffany's taking a break for her own health right now, as far as I know. So Petra's kind of taken over the online side of things. And what day? What day is that one, mate? I've um, not heard of that one. Like, like I said, first Wednesday of every month at eight fifteen p.m. First Wednesday, eight fifteen. Okay, I shall make a note. In, in order to leave space for tea and coffee, of course, of not course. overlap with those meetings. I mean, some of the some of the stuff Petra's been doing has has been amazing. You know, she's been involved in. Um, putting together training courses for GPs in the local area. And is she's giving talks area? to like women's institution groups and is that stuff. that the same area you live in? Are you in the, are you pretty close? Um, I'm from Suffolk, if that's what you mean. I'm not sure where Petra's living at the moment, actually. I probably should because I did a podcast with her and she probably told me, but I don't remember. Mm. Okay, but so, so I mean, you, you said you were in the Gender Explorer and yeah. that was in person. And that's how I found tea and coffee and then TGIF. And yeah. tea and coffee is also how I found the Ipswich LGBTQ women's group, which okay. technically I'm not a woman, but they let me in anyway. Yeah. And through that, through one of the members there, is how I found the D&D group that I mentioned earlier. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So it's all... The two D&D &D groups that... Josie runs, that's the Dungeon Master, are actually having a little game night tonight. The Dungeon Master. Wow, it sounds interesting. This stuff. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to dress up too? Sometimes we get bonus points if we do, but it's not mandatory. 
So what, what is the what is the kind of what is the thing with Dungeons and Dragons? What's the kind of story behind it? How does it how does it work? Oh, that's right. I don't think I've mentioned that in the podcast itself yet, have I? No, I have no idea what you do in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's basically a role playing battle simulator game. You create create up some characters that fit the lore of the setting that you're working with, and then you sort of role play various conversations and conflicts between the characters in your party and on the adventure that they're on. And sometimes fights happen, and you've got to be very careful not to get killed because you only have so many death saving throws. So but there it, are people that can save you from death if necessary. Is it a bit like LARPing? A little bit, yes. Because I know someone who's into that quite heavily, and mm-hmm. they've kind of explained that to me. So it sounds very similar to that. Yeah, except except with LARPing, you do it with your body, whereas with D&D, you only do it metaphorically. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, LARPing, I think you, you do definitely get dressed up in various costumes and have weapons and things. And yeah. Yeah. In our first campaign, we killed Krampus. <laughs> Krampus. Yeah. Sort of evil Santa Claus. <laughs> okay. It's all news to me. <laughs> Sorry. I definitely need to, I definitely need to have a look into this. It sounds like fun. Have you have you been involved in any kind of pride pride events or anything like that? Do you attend pride events? You know when when we're able to. Yes, I do attend pride events when they are actually going on in my hometown, because it's more often than not they don't tend to get them. No, I mean, have you have you been to pre you know pre lockdown? Had had you had you been? Yeah, to yeah, some? I've been I've been attending like pride parades and such. Yeah. Like I said, that's how I met, came across Sadalia Day because she was doing some poetry reading there. Yes, yeah. Have you have you been to any trans pride events? Not specifically trans, no, because that 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 all that happened all that happened before I was officially out as non-binary. So, but I am keeping my eye open for trans events once we are all free to mingle and be. Yeah, I can highly recommend Brighton. I can highly recommend Bristol. Bit of a bit of a travel, but there was a really excellent trans pride events. That's good. A lot of fun. I mean, it's not just it's not just you know going to do the the march and the protest march and, and that kind of stuff. It's also a really great way to meet people and socialise that you've only ever seen online. You know, you can meet them in real life, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, there's lots of interesting things to do. They have at a Brighton Trans Pride event, they have lots of events on throughout the week, you know, leading up to the March mm-hmm. protest day. And then at the end of the um, March, there's a there's a big park, which is full of um, different stands, companies and organisations are you know, selling T-shirts and giving out information, and there's a big stage where there's a few bands doing some performances. It's, it's really, it's really good, mm. fun event. It sounds fun. A yeah. little anxiety-inducing, but fun. Yeah, well, yeah, it can be. I mean, especially when you've never done that before. I mean, yeah. when and I went so, to so the, many people in so many crowds. Yeah, there's you might get lost. thousands of people there. When I went to the the one the trans pride event in Brighton, it was 2019. That was the very first pride I've ever been to in my life. It's a little overwhelming, you know. Mm-hmm. There's there's thousands of people. You feel very safe because there's lots of people, but you also feel 
very small because you're one in a thousand. And the, you know, where you march, kind of the, it's kind of lined with people watching. Yeah. So you you do feel kind of safe and yet exposed at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. But it's very, it's very, it's very affirming and uh, it's a lot of fun. So I, I highly recommend them. Yeah. If you, yeah, we should all, we should all meet up at one in the future at some point, whenever we can, obviously. Fingers crossed it will be soon, eh? Yeah, well, I don't know if Trans Pride Brighton is on this year. I think I think they had cancelled it, but um, the Manchester one was cancelled too. But that, they've just announced that that's going ahead now. So I've never been to that one either. But that's the closest one to me. I might I might uh, go and have a look. That's a normal Pride event. It's not a Trans Pride event. I say normal. Mm-hmm. I mean full LGBT. Um, but the problem with that one is that they charge. You know, you have to pay fees and you have to get tickets for everything, which is a bit of a yeah. disappointing aspect to it, really. I mean, it should be free, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, they had Ariana Grande there last time and they were charging a fortune to go in and see her perform. I mean, should we be should we be paying to go to these events? I don't really know. It, seems, it doesn't seem quite right. Mind you, I suppose you've got to spend money to make the events yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not opposed to people making money. I guess there's costs involved, but yeah. I'm a bit kind of against it being too commercialised. If you know what I mean, yeah. it's kind of, it's gone beyond being a protest. That was just a big party, which is fine too. But you know, like the the trans events are still very protest events. And yeah, you know what they say: very... the very first pride was a riot. Exactly. Yeah. See, it's interesting how that you know that's still going on. Uh, you've got the the normal LGBT pride events are very much of a, a party, but yet the bi the bi events and the trans events are still very much a protest. And you know it's yeah it's interesting how that it's still going on even today. Yeah, we have a long way to go with uh, equality, I think. Mm-hmm. Especially in Britain. Yeah, what do you think? As far about as I the... understand, uh, particularly a trans woman's lot is not great in Britain. Well, it's not. I mean, you know, my my experience with family, friends, and everybody has been very, very positive. No, no. I mean, I meant more government-wise. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to government things, especially this current government, maybe mentioning no names, but um, yeah, they do seem very um, anti-trans, yes. or if that's not the right word, they're very kind of ignorant, mm. don't really care don't can't see the obvious truths you know it's all very and sometimes that ignorance does overlap with malice yeah it does and you know i don't think i don't think that trump being in power helped at all you know the rise of the right wing people has not helped at all there's so many things that have been going against us and yet we persevere you know then there's brexit there's so many things i mean yeah yes and we when we persevere and we we succeed and we we work our way through these things but yeah it's uh it could be better they do you know they call it um what they call it turf island yeah (laughs) but it's only a matter of time yes yes well we know we've we've covered everything we said we were going to talk about and we've been talking for an hour so it was an absolute delight. I think it's only been 40 minutes considering we like didn't start until 20 minutes in, but let's not yeah. split hairs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost, we're almost there. It's fine. Mm. It was an absolute 
pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It was nice to be here. Thanks. I mean, I've been doing these quite a while now. This, I think this is this will be the 17th one. And Happy 17th anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying to do more um, on YouTube. You know, I, I want to try and do some YouTube videos where we talk about, instead of talking about people's individual life stories, you know, it feels a bit like this is your life doing these things and I'm supposed to put the big red book up at the end, you know, <laughs> Eamon Andrews style. But I, wa I want to do some video podcasts with people and talk about some of the topics that we face in the trans world. Um, so like a great big situational debate? <clears throat> well, just kind of topic, you know, short yeah. videos about specific topics about, you know, this is the problem and this is what's going on. And yeah. how can we... Abridged versions of that big question show that airs on Sunday mornings. Yeah, something like that. I, I, was, I was kind of thinking it could be set in a coffee shop kind of situation where, you know, because it's obviously going to be on Zoom like this. And, you know, I was, I was trying to come up with silly things where you can kind of, you know, you have a cup of coffee and you can pass it to the other person through the screen. <laughs> you, you know. Presumably it would be coffee, not a conch shell. Whoever holds yeah. the coffee gets to speak. Yeah, that's a good idea too. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you want to come on again and uh, do some of those in the future, that would be great. Just say the word and I'll see what my schedule's like. Yeah, cool. Okay, so I think I'll sign us off there. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. No problem. And we'll probably see you later on today on uh, TGIF. You certainly will. And we'll see. Uh, NB will be there too, hopefully. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye.